right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Holy Ghost, that you are the author and the teacher of this book. And we lean on you and look to you in Jesus' name. Teach us. Open our eyes. Let us see tonight all that you have for us. We'll receive it with gladness and meekness. We thank you that you'll teach and encourage, as Pastor Dana said, that even if it has to bring correction, Lord, we're open to that. We, we want to grow. We want to change. We want to become more effective and more efficient in your kingdom and what you're doing in this church. So we thank you for working in us, Holy Ghost. We give you all the praise and honor and glory, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. If you have your book, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 tonight, and we're going to go quickly there and, and just touch on the scripture that we left off on on Sunday. I'm going to continue to talk about our involvement in God's kingdom. And as we continue on along these lines, I want you to remember that the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to your life if you've received him. Praise God for that. And as a result of that, he has made you, given you permission to be a son or a daughter of God and to function in his kingdom, function in his family. He moved on the inside of you by the person of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that we were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, and he's the earnest or the guarantee of our salvation, our redemption. So the power of God living on the inside of us as being born again gives us the ability to be able to function in God's kingdom and in our local church. And then it comes to us. This is where it really gets down to the rubber meeting the road. We receive the personal responsibility that I'm called to do the Great Commission universally, and I'm called to do something in my local church to propel and push the vision that God has given in the house. And then lastly, once we've understood that the blood of Jesus Christ has given us permission to function as a son or a daughter of God, and as we have understood that his indwelling us gives us the ability to be able to go and do the Great Commission and serve in his house, once we've received the personal responsibility of fulfilling the great commandment and fulfilling the great commission and doing work in the local house, then we, we stand realizing that we have the accountability. And it's not a fearful thing. We're not afraid to stand in front of a loving, saving God. We go before him in that moment and in that day, and we're willing to stand in front of him and say, I gave you everything I have. As we were singing that one night, God, in the chapel, all I am, I lay at your feet. I'm humbled by the wonder of your majesty and everything I am and everything I have, I gave to do your work and to help in the church and to do all that I could. So as we continue along these lines, remember those four very important things that he has given you permission there have been people all your life maybe that have told you that you can't and you'll never amount to and you're just not allowed. But God, praise God by his grace, has given us permission. And he didn't just leave us there alone and say, hey, you can do this. But he gave us the ability to be able to by his indwelling. Now, for those of us who are filled with the Holy Ghost, it is more than just talking in tongues. We've received an endowment even additional to his indwelling presence. Amen. We have the empowering working of the Holy Spirit, that these signs will follow those who believe. They'll cast out devils and they'll raise the dead and cleanse the leper and do all kinds of fun stuff in his name. Amen. But the very first thing that Jesus said in Mark 16, they'll speak with other tongues. Second thing he said, 
speak with other tongues. So that's talking about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So again, keep those four things kind of in the forefront of your spirit, as it were, and remember. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9 says, Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors. I touched this on Sunday, and I just don't believe, according to the language, that there is a fivefold ministry office of teacher. It's not mentioned. But for the sake of argument and teachers. Now, there is, we'll see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There is a gift of God that God places in the church to teach. And the ministry offices of the Lord Jesus Christ are all supposed to teach. Regardless, I don't want to split airs. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, what is this for? He gave some to do these things. For what purpose? To equip the saints. Who are the saints? We all are, right? Equipping the saints for, for a purpose. To do what? No, to the work, to do the work of the ministry, to do the work of the ministry. That four-letter word is in the book here. The ministry gifts of the Lord Jesus Christ are placed in your life, placed in my life, placed in our life, and set in the church for a specific purpose, to equip us to do work. Now, you may not think that the teaching and preaching that you hear on a weekly basis and the sermons and the messages and things like that are really helping you or really doing anything for you, and they may not be your cup of tea or your favorite sermon, and boy, I wish Pastor Brian would just teach on this or that, but the Holy Spirit is strategically leading me to minister the things that he's having me minister to equip you to do work in the ministry. Amen. Amen. He says, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for how long? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer, for this purpose, we would no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. People give too much credit to the devil. The Bible says here, by the trickery of men. There are people, human beings, that are trying to teach false crap to get people off. There are people that they flock to some of these ministries and some of these preachers. And I've talked to you before about this and and dealt uh, with this before that right now in the body of Christ, on the rise, right now we have uh, a major, major, major uh, move and push in Calvinism. And uh, one of the biggest guys out there right now, and he's got, I, I heard people say, well, he must be right because he's a doctor. Well, I've known all kinds of doctors, both medical and non-medical, that don't, they're not always right. Amen? Medically speaking, there are some nurses sometimes that catch things before doctors do. We're, we're all human. Are you here? But they, you know, <laughs> anyway, he must be right. He's a, he's, a, he's a dean of students. He's a chancellor of a Bible school. Well, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, you can be a doctorate of a dumb stuff and doesn't mean anything. There are people that are, that are skewing the truth of God's word. There are people who are skewing the foundational truths and the doctrines of the word of God, and they attack 
the person of the Holy Spirit and they attack miracles and signs and wonders and they attack people like you and I who believe that there are actually officers placed in the body of Christ. And there are people that are bad. And there's a reason that the fivefold ministry is established. We're going with fivefold ministry because so many people like it. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. That we should no longer be deceived by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Nowhere in there is it talking about the devil. 15, but speaking the truth in love, that's what we do here. We may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ, for whom the whole body, listen to this verse, I read them all just so you get 16, for whom, from whom, excuse me, the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies, but what every joint supplies according to the affecting working by which every part does its share, causing growth in the body and edifying itself in love. It's so important that we understand your job in the ministry and the importance that you understand that God has set you in the church and he's gifted you and graced you for a reason. Do you know that only about 7% of all Christians are ministers? Preachers. You look at me like you didn't know that. Only 7% of the Christian body only 7% of the Christian body is represented as a preacher. Just there's, there's not enough to go around. We, we don't need to have 100% preachers and no greeters. Are you here? And the job of, of Dwayne out there in the rain tonight parking people is just as important to the kingdom of God as the job as the preacher who's ministering the word of God. Absolutely, the job of the usher serving God and serving the body and keeping security in the building and making sure that everybody's safe and somewhat comfortable is just as important as the job of the preacher. But what we've, what, what's crept into the church is this phrase, volunteer. So we view ourselves as volunteers instead of ministers. And we say, well, I'll just go down to the church and I'll volunteer an hour or so today. No, you're called to bring whatever you can bring where every joint is supplying to what, avail, to what avail and to what end. That we would all be working together. That the body would grow and advance. Amen. Amen. For what purpose or to what end? That it would even edify itself in love. See, what, what we have is, again, this idea of volunteering. And if we're just volunteers, then we're wasting our time. Because if you want to volunteer, go down to a soup kitchen. And I'm not belittling that. That's a very important thing. Be a big brother or a big sister. There are all kinds of things that you can go and volunteer your time to do. You can be a part of, of the Salvation Army drives. You can be a part of the Red Cross and donate blood. All those things are awesome and wonderful and fantastic. None of them are ministry. None of them are ministry. So we can't get confused that we go out and we say, well, I'm doing this stuff out there and helping the poor and the needy, and I'm doing ministry. No, ministry happens in the house of God. Ministry happens in the earth, not through a, a humanitarian organization, which I'm all for those things. We give to those things and help uh, people in those areas, but that's volunteering 
to help somebody, not serving Jesus in ministering. Well, pastor, but I'm doing unto the least of these my brethren, I'm doing unto Jesus. Right, everything we do, we do it all unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving glory to God the Father, even in this. I get that. But we're talking about a specific ministry to go out and do what Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, amen, freely we received, freely give, and then also being a part and being in the local church and in the local house. Now, you've heard me say this, and I think that it's a damnable idea, but I heard someone just recently saying, well, you know, in in talking about this community, well, I just think in the next couple of years, all the churches are going to close down, and there's not going to be any churches, and I think, boy, I hope not. I sure hope that never happens. You know what? Sometimes I found out, and this offends you, I'm sorry. Sometimes I found out that church sucks because there are people in it, and people suck. But you know what I found out? Sometimes church doesn't because sometimes people don't. And just because you've been one place or gone through this thing and had this happen or that happen or you've seen this or witnessed that or been beat up or kicked around and thrown out or doesn't mean that everything's going to be that way. And again, the Lord has given me this on my heart and I'm, I'm fixing to actually do it. Uh, but the Lord's put this on my heart to preach a message called what to do when you've been chewed up and spit out by the church machine. And the reality is, is that Christians sometimes are just jerks. And if we weren't using Christian language, we could come up with all kinds of colorful ideas to call Christians sometimes. And by the way, some of us fit into that category at times. Sometimes we're, we're rude. Sometimes we're disconnected and unplugged and judgmental and arrogant. Amen? I'm not just talking about me, am I? Everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> jerk. Sometimes... Those things that are said about us can be true. But that doesn't mean that we can't grow. That doesn't mean that we can't repent and be forgiven and turn and no longer do that. Amen. And so that message that the Lord put on my heart, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 while you're doing that. That message that the Lord put on my heart is the first thing that those people who've been hurt by church need to realize is that is a poor representation of who God is. You can't look at people who have been jerks and say that God is that way because they're a poor representation of the love, the character, and the nature of God. And then the second thing is to say to those people, you just need to forgive them and repent for having a hurt heart and being upset. The Bible says, perfect peace have they who love my word, and nothing shall by any means offend them. Oh my, we could go on for days and days and days talking about petty offenses in the church. Sometimes there are things that tell on us perfect peace. Have those who love my word. There's a second part to the verse. Nothing shall by any means offend them. Sometimes they're indicators. First Corinthians chapter 12. Did you find it yet? Verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members... But all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, 
where would be the smelling? He says, but now God has set members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. God has set members, each one, in the body. And you can argue and say, well, Pastor Brian, that's talking about universally the church. No, in the context, the Apostle Paul is talking to a church that has a pastor in a congregation that met in Corinth. So contextually, he's talking to a local body. And Paul, by the Holy Ghost, is saying, your body members, the people in your church, have been set in as God pleased for a purpose. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm not an ear, and I'm not a foot, and I'm not a hand, and I'm not a nose, and I'm not an eye. Well, who cares? Let's just keep reading here for a minute. 19. Well, let's read 18 again. But now, God, who? God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as pastor pleased. As who pleased? As he pleased. Interesting. And if they were all one member, then where would my body be? Where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you, nor much rather, no, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Now listen, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable. Who thinks it? We think. Isn't it interesting that God has set us in the body as he pleased, and yet we think these aren't important things. I shared a testimony last Wednesday of my mom and dad, and they were coming to the church, and I think it was weather-related, and they went down to the Nazarene Church, which in Durand is right down the road from where I was raised and where I um, was coming up, as they say, and they went into the church, and it was about 20 years later, and they called me with enthusiasm because the same dude was at the door greeting them 20 years later. Serving Jesus, not shooting for a position, not looking to be more important, not thinking that it's not honorable enough or good enough or big enough, but just a doorman in the house of God, watching the door of God and welcoming in the flock into the fold and how that spoke volumes to them, maybe even more than the sermon, those are my words, not theirs, that a person would stand there 20 years and say, welcome to church. I'm so glad you're here today. We think that it's not important, but God doesn't say that about it. God says every member, even the, the, the weaker ones are important. So even in, in terms of, of spiritual growth, if you're just born again, there's something for you to do in the house of God. Amen? Amen. If, 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 if you're born again a minute, I'm probably not going to put you on the stage and have you preach. But you can be with someone becoming an apprentice in the house of God, learning how to serve God and serve his people. And we have the responsibility of making sure that we don't think in our own heart, this isn't important. This isn't as important. I'm preaching real good this evening. Amen. 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 He says, uh, seven, 27, now you are the body of Christ and members 
individually. And God has appointed these in the church. Now, these are the gifts of the Father. They're different than the gifts or the offices of Jesus. God has appointed these in the church. The King James says, hath set in. You know what the word set in means? It gives the connotation that God himself installed these people into the body. So literally speaking, if you look at the original language, you can literally take from the original language, God placed in or set in or installed, plugged you right in. Doesn't sound like volunteering to me. Scripturally speaking, it just doesn't sound like volunteer. And you can say, well, Pastor Brian, you're just splitting theirs. No, I'm trying to be biblical because God plugged me in here. God set me in here. It wasn't of my own volition. I didn't say, hey, you know, I got an hour and a half. I'm going to go down to the, the, the Red Cross and, and help them do a drive or help them do this or that or the other or donate some blood or help people donate blood. Or No, this is set in and put in and placed by God himself. This is ministry and service unto God and ministry and service unto his people. He's talking about a local church. Amen. Say, thank you, Pastor. Hey, you're welcome. I love preaching the word. Amen. Amen. He appointed, God has appointed these in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers. This is legitimate. There are people in the body of Christ that have a gifting, an ability to be able to expound and to be able to teach. And it's in all levels and all shapes and all forms. It, it, when I was a kid, this dates me a little bit, but it was a felt board and putting up a little felt Jesus that always was hovering over a green field with a blue sky. But anyway, they're, they're gifted and set in by God. They're important to the outcome of the ministry. We're not babysitting. We're teaching the children. We're training them up and giving them the word and looking at some benchmarks that by the time you graduate from this class, you should know these things. This is an important role in the kingdom of God. And teachers aren't just in the pulpit to the adults on a Sunday morning. It's to the babies carrying a baby and putting a Bible in their hand and saying, this is God's word and it's for you. He gave this to you so you could know him and so he could reveal himself to you. And then moving and saying, this is a church and we come to God's house to worship him with his people. Teaching, placed in by God, important, not above any of us, not below any of us. I'm not going to teach the babies. Well, honey, if you're not willing to teach the babies, guess what? I'll go on the record and say, you'll never preach from this desk. If you're not willing to teach the babies, you'll never preach from this desk because it's above you. Just telling you the truth. You can write it down. I guarantee I'm not going to change my mind. Why? Because that's where I started. Well, I got to change diapers. No, you don't have to change diapers. You can get into the second level where there are no diapers. But if you're not willing to teach in every area, in every aspect, we're not going to have people hunting for a pulpit. God sent apostles and prophets and teachers, and after that, miracles and gifts of healings and helps. And administration, that means organizers. 
God thinks it's important that we be organized. And I, and I love the Holy Ghost just as much as anybody, but people say, well, you know, you just got to follow the Holy Ghost. No, not according to the Bible. The original word for administrators is organizers. God set in the church organizers. We start at this time. We end by this time. We allow the Holy Spirit to breathe on the schedule, but we at least make one. We're, we're doing our due diligence to make sure that it's not just a free-for-all. Hey, anybody want to do anything they want to, have fun. No, we have structure, and we have order, and we have organizing. Amen? We have elders that keep the peace, and someone out in the parking lot, and the ushers to keep the safety, so that way the elders don't kill the flock, or the flock kill the elders. Amen? God set these in the church, varieties of tongues. And then he says this, 29, and people get this so messed up, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Well, he's talking about the spiritual gift that he placed in the church, that there are people that are used to give the ministry gift of tongues, not the personal prayer language of praying in tongues, but the ministry gift of glossolalia, where you speak it publicly and the body is encouraged versus you speaking quietly, your mind is shut off, your spirit is speaking mysteries to God. We can't stretch that out and say, bless God, not all of us are going to pray in tongues. The Bible says so. No, the Bible doesn't say so. Not all of us will be used in the ministry gift of tongues and interpretation. Amen. And then he tells us to earnestly desire the best gift. And then the Holy Ghost says, and still I show you a more excellent way. So it's important for us to catch a couple of things here. One, God says in 27, you are the body of Christ and a member, a member individually. You as an individual, many parts of one body, you're a member of this church. Ephesians 4 says, every joint is supposed to supply. But God set these in the church. He said that you're a member of his body individually. And he wants you to produce for him. God wants you to produce for him. We have to be willing to get into the body and help. Boy, that's vague, isn't it? The, the original language says, those who help others. We're all in the ministry of helps. Every person. Doesn't matter if you're the preacher. It doesn't matter if you're three years old. You walk by a piece of trash, you pick it up. You don't say, well, the cleaning team will get it. You pick it up. You're helping the ministry. Amen? You notice something out of place. You set it in place the best that you can. And if you lack the ability to be able to do it, or you lack the skill, or you lack the availability to be able to do it, then you let somebody know about it. It's so important for us to understand that this is a ministry, that God views the thing that you're doing as a ministry. He doesn't view it as just a volunteer thing. And if we'll give of our time and give of our talent and give of our treasure to promote the local church vision, God will honor and bless and rebuke and encourage and strengthen and you'll see the blessing of the Lord in every area and in every aspect of your life. And you know one of the greatest things is you can look and say, you know what, I put my hand to that, look at that. 
we need to look at this as ministry unto God and ministry unto the body. God set these things in. It's important. Well, Pastor Brian, are you recruiting the helps? A hundred percent of the time. A hundred percent of the time. Yes, I am. Always recruiting helps. Uh huh. Why? Because it's a ministry. And only 7% of the body of Christ will preach. But the 93% that's left over don't just get to sit. That's right. You're involved. Amen. You're engaged. You're set in by God himself to, to help organize. There are people that can come up and look at a situation and say, this is going to make my OCD go into overdrive, so just get away from me. Give me some time. I'm going to organize this. Turn over to Exodus real quick. Don't ever look at yourself another day of your life as a volunteer. You are set in by God. This is your ministry. And while you're turning to Exodus chapter 33, I want to give you some some, uh, challenge to think about. If God puts you in this local church, which he did, to be involved in the ministry, which he did, to do the work of the ministry, and if you're being equipped to do the work of the ministry, and you're involved then you need to take the personal responsibility to be just as prepared to do your ministry as I am to do mine. If, if I came to do my ministry and I was undone, looking a mess, and tired and unprepared and unready, you wouldn't put up with it, would you? The answer to that is no, you wouldn't. You may give me some grace here or there, but by, by about the fifth or sixth church service in a row where I just showed up late. Everybody do this with your toes. I just showed up late. Or maybe I just called you and say, hey, you know, I know my ministry is important, but I'm just not going to make it today and it's 10 till. Somebody asked me, why do you go to the building at 7 o'clock on a Sunday when church starts at 10? And my response was, do you like what happens on Sunday mornings? They said, yeah. I said, well, that was birthed the night before at 8 o'clock. I shut my bedroom door, and I'm alone. Abigail takes care of the kids, and I'm preparing my heart at 8 o'clock Saturday evening. Then I get here at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning. Why? Because apparently I'm slow. (laughs) But I... But I'll tell you this, I've never mounted God's desk unprepared. Amen. And we should never come in and say, and I'm not, that's not me patting myself on the back. That's not me making myself look good. The person standing out at that door should never come to this place unprepared. Prayed up in the Holy Ghost, believing that God will anoint them. If he set them in, he's going to give them the anointing to be able to meet people. And when I shake their hands, when I make a point of contact, Father, I thank you that discouragement is going to leave them. Depression is going to leave them. Weariness is going to leave them. Even sleepiness and and tired and distractions are just going to be in their right mind. They're coming into your house. I'm doing this job unto you. This is my ministry in the house We need to come prepared. You wouldn't put up with it if I was unprepared. And I'm not saying I won't put up with it if you're not, but you need to take a real quick look at whether or not you're a volunteer or you're a minister. Exodus 33. I want to say this real quick, this point, and then I want to back it up with some scripture. And just just for fun, that that's the job of the preacher. 
Charles Spurgeon, who uh, was referred to as the prince of preachers, he said that a man of God, gender neutrally speaking, a preacher should be a highly skilled orator, better than those in a court of law. Why? Because we're building a case for what we're saying. We make a statement, we support it with scripture, and be very, very careful if people just grab something because they'll sell a book or a tape or a CD. Sometimes it's just not true. Exodus 33, and the point that I want to make is this. God will give vision to a person. God will give a ministry, and now I'm speaking not about service to an individual, but I'm talking about God will place on a person the gift and the calling of God to stand in an office of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 4. He'll give that person a vision, place in that person a ministry. It's his ministry. It's his vision. And he says, articulate this and speak these things and do these things for me and take this ground and take this territory and advance my kingdom and promote my giftings and callings and, and cause people to discover what they're called to do in the house and how they can be engaged and plugged in and activated in serving me and and what always ends up happening is that that man or person that woman that man or man or woman can't do it alone so god gives order and gives instruction and he says go and do this thing for me and then and then ultimately we set out to do it so God places a vision inside of a person, and that person goes out even against all the odds. You know what was awesome? Is that I looked at that preacher and I said, well, with all due respect, sir, I'm not afraid to pioneer something. No matter what time it is, God's aware of what's going on. He told me to do it. He's going to see that it'll grow. He put the gifting and the calling and the vision and the anointing on the inside of me. And by the, by the will of God, the purpose of God and plan of God, he's going to draw people to get the vision out of me. He'll do it. But it still requires people saying, hey, preacher, I'll come alongside of you and I'll push. Hey, preacher, I'll come alongside of you and I don't have a whole lot of strength to push, but I got a little money and I'll, I'll help and propel it. And hey, preacher, I, I don't have a whole lot of money, but I got a bunch of time and I got some skill and some talent. So you want me to build something or do you want me to tear something apart? And I love tearing stuff apart. I don't know how to build it, but I can break it like nobody's business. <laughs> I'm skilled at breaking stuff, almost anointed. So God's talking to Moses. Verse 7, it says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, all the people rose. Each man stood at his tent and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, nine, <clears throat> when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. I love this. And the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and the people rose and worshipped each man in his own tent. Eleven, and the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, On the wrong side of the cross in a broken covenant, God talked to Moses face to face as a man would speak to his friend. 
and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. Now listen to this. Verse 12. You say to me, bring up these people. Because at the very beginning, the first six verses, God says, get up, go over, I'll take care of the, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites. I'll take care of all that. Just get up and go to this place that I've provided for you, a land that is rich and a land flowing with milk and honey. So Moses' response in the 12th verse is, see, you say to me, get up and go. And this is what he says. But you haven't told me who's going to go with me. Every man or woman of God with a vision or a call of God is asking God, who are you going to send with me today, God? You told me that you wanted me to do this, so who are you going to send with me? It's going to take time, it's going to take talent, it's going to take treasure. Who are you going to send along with me on this journey? We want to advance the ministry and create a youth ministry so we can reach the, the unchurched youth in our community and minister to them. Who are you going to send with me, God? Who's going to answer the call? The bell's ringing. Who's going to say, I'll go, I'll do it. Who are you going to send with me? You told me to go and do this. You put vision in me. You gave me instruction. You visited me with your manifested glory that all of the people of Israel can see the manifested power of God. There's no question that the preacher is hearing from God. There's no question that, that God is speaking to the preacher. There's manifestations and illuminations and impartations. There's no question that God's moving in the church. But yet still, all these years later, almost 4,000 years later, all over this town, all over this state, all over this nation, all over the globe, we're still saying, who are you going to send with us, God? Who's going to come and support this? Who's going to come and do this work? Because it takes time and it takes talent and it takes treasure. We, we want to take this city and hoorah and yay and let's go do it. But who are you going to send out with me? You tell me to go and do this stuff, but yet you still haven't told me who will go. You know why? Because it's up to the people. It's not up to God. God says, are you willing? I'm able. Are you willing would you go into this land with the man of God? Would you face the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites? Would you go and deal with the Canaanites and just stand there and do what I told you to do? Who, who you send with me to go do the thing that you've told me to do? See, the problem with the idea that all the churches and the community should shut down is it's asinine. in this, this working against the church. We talked about this on Sunday and last Wednesday, and I'm not going to take a bunch of your time with this, but just remember that the body of Christ can learn from the heathen. Because in any developed nation of this globe, you can walk up to a complete and total stranger and ask them, where do Christians go on Sunday? And they'd say, they go to church. Why do Christians go to church on Sunday? To hear a sermon from the preacher. The heathen. I don't, I don't know if I should go to church. Well, of course you should go to church. Yeah, but the church has hurt me. Of, of course, they're jerks. Right. 
There's whiners and fussers and complainers. You know, they got uptight. But those first six verses of Exodus 33, you know what God said? Go and tell them they're rebellious. Go and tell them that they're stiff-necked. Go tell them that they're arrogant, that they're unwilling. That didn't change much, has it, with the people of God? Who's going to help? Who's going to come alongside? Who's going who's gonna to hold up the arms of the man of God and make sure that he's not holding up the word of God alone? And that's talking about a standard. In the Old Testament, that's literally talking about the staff, the rod. But now for us, that still applies. Who's going to come alongside and make sure that the standard of God's word continues to be lifted up? Who's going to lift up the hands of the ministry and the leadership? And who's going to go with? Because the greatest vision and the greatest visionary and the greatest anointing and the best sermon and the greatest teacher and preacher can't do it on their own. They can just have people come to the house and they can sit and expound on the scriptures, but that's not church. I said, that's not church. The New Testament gives us a structure and order and a pattern of what church is. They're supposed to be deacons, and they're supposed to be elders, and they're supposed to be worship, and they're supposed to be teaching, and they're supposed to be preaching, and they're supposed to be singing in the Spirit, and they're supposed to be prophesying and laying out of hands and impartation of spiritual gifts, and they're supposed to be correction and rebuke, and they're supposed to be comfort and love and edification. That's, that's a church. It requires a pastor and a congregation, a shepherd and a sheepfold. So tonight... I'm not just recruiting, although I'm always recruiting. I just think it's easy because the talkers say, well, you know, I just not, if I just had more authority, if I just had more influence, if I could just do more. Dude, show up to church. Why don't you come eight times a month and let's see what we can do. You're like, eight times a month? What are you talking about, man? <laughs> you see? <laughs> That's crazy talk. Yeah, we weren't even talking about Thursday. We have two midweek services, by the way. I'm just going to leave that one lie. As they say on Facebook, I'm just going to put this right here. The call for me, Pastor Dan and I are up in the office with other leadership, and we're crying out to God and praying and seeking God and saying, God, this wow, you want us to do this? Wow, we're, we're going to do that? But the answer always comes down to the boiling point, and that's who's going to go with us to do it? Who's going to help us? Who's going to support it? Who's going to do the work? So I say that to you tonight and say, you're important. You're, you're set in by God. You're, you're part of helps, which is all kinds of stuff. And a helps person is just as important as anyone else. It's all ministry to the Lord. Amen. 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 It's all ministry to the Lord. But it's it's got to come down to, you know, I made a comment here quite a quite a while ago in this room on a Sunday morning. If you are having a problem with the way things are done in the church, or you wish we'd do this, or you wish we'd do that, or couldn't we go here, or couldn't we do this, help help. Maybe, maybe, 
Maybe we've just been waiting for somebody to help. Maybe that's something that we've been wanting to do for months, but we can't do it because we don't have any. You, you haven't told me who's going to go with me yet. We can be involved and has to come down to a personal responsibility. Lord, there's a vision in this house. There's fruit in this house. There's life in this house. The Holy Ghost is here. There are miracles. We ministered to people by the Holy Ghost on Sunday, and people were touched and ministered to, and, and God is reaching into people's lives. I had someone contact me. I, I, that wasn't even the point. I just said, come up to the altar and worship the Lord. And I knew that I was going to lay hands on two people. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge, and I went and ministered to it. And that person sent me a text message and said, oh my goodness, I can't even believe you were talking right to me, that what you prayed over me was absolutely right on. I'm not bragging on myself. That's the fruit of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is moving in this place. There's vision, there's life, there's purpose. And we are this body. Every part, every joint needs to do its share so that we can grow up and edify ourselves in love. Amen? So just pray. If, if you're already serving, then say, praise God. You know, I'm already in ministry of helps. But, you know, often what happens is people get into a place where they, they get unfulfilled and unsatisfied with what they're doing. And so what they do is they shy away and turn back. And that's the last thing that you want to do. You want to stand and show yourself faithful even when it isn't the awesome times and the high times and the fun times. You know, the cleaning team still has to come in here if the toilet's back up. Those aren't high points. But it's still a service unto the Lord and it's still a service to help the body. Amen? Did you get anything out of this tonight? I told you the truth in love. I do love you. And, and I, I, we gave you scripture, didn't give you opinion. Amen. Amen. Yes. This is our ministry. Yes. This is our church. Yes. It's not my church. It's our church. Yes. Praise God. Yes. We're, we're calling in people to continue to contribute time, talent, and treasure. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Ghost speaking to us tonight. I believe that you did. I believe you spoke to us by the Holy Ghost and through the Word, and we thank you for it, and we praise you for it. And Lord, I pray as we pray every day, I pray for more people to contribute time, talent, and treasure. I am not after their money. I'm after their money also. I want their talent. I want their treasure. I'll use their money. We're doing this together, Lord. We're one body, many members, working together, serving together to do what you want to do in this place. Thank you, Father, for the faithful. Lord, you, you led the Apostle Paul in many of his, in his greetings, in his opening of his epistles. He would write to the saints, but then this phrase came in, end faithful. Not everybody is faithful, unfortunately, but we all can be. It's fruit of the Spirit. If we'll yield ourselves to you, if we'll surrender ourselves to you and let go of our own will and our own motive, you'll work that out and cause us to become. We'll become faithful. You've made us in the Spirit, 
in Christ, faithful. You'll cause us to have fruits of faithfulness. Our job, our working, is to simply yield, surrender, and be found faithful. You said that what's required of a steward, what's required of a servant, what's required of a minister is that they be found faithful. Faithfulness is a big thing to you. I thank you for the saints, Father, but I thank you for those who are saints and faithful. And I believe, Father, in Jesus' name, that more of us will become even more committed to being faithful. Faithful to your house. Faithful to your word. Faithful to the vision here. And I thank you for it in advance. I believe it's coming to pass. You're causing us to step up a notch. But first, you're building that foundation. I believe in the Spirit, Father. There's a shift and a transition, a turning point coming. We're preparing in the Spirit for it. We're preparing for explosive growth and explosive demonstration and increase. You told me you're bringing people here. And I thank you, Father, that you're getting the core ready. You're getting the core ready. Thank you for your preparing. Thank you for your working in our lives in our hearts and in our minds. We give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Praise God.